0: Welcome back to Slime House, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I'm Jared. I'm Jasper. I'm Max. And I'm Nelson. And today we're getting smokin' with a double feature of The Mask, as in the classic Jim Carrey 94 film, and its infamous sequel, 2005s. Son of the mask.
1: Smokin! So in The Mask, banker Stanley Ipkiss finds a strange mask in the river and sees his timid personality suddenly transformed into a maniac cartoon-like playboy all about Edge City. This is the story of Stanley Ipkiss.
0: Stanley, you are the nicest guy. (laughs) <laughs> really, you are. Yeah.
1: His job is at the bank. You're 40 minutes late. Now that's the same as stealing. I'm sorry, Mr. Dickey.
0: It, it'll never happen again. He loves his dog. Come on, Give him to me. Drop it. The most exciting thing in his life are his pajamas. <laughs> but now...
2: Hey, you! What are you doing down there? I'm just looking for
0: my mask! All that is about to change. <laughs> <laughs> because Stanley
1: Ipkiss
2: is not the man he used to be.
1: And in Son of the Mask, a cartoonist stumbles across the mysterious mask of Loki and conceives a child born of the mask and able to use its powers Meanwhile, Loki, the God of Mischief, must find the mask before Odin gets mad.
2: It's been sleeping soundly for over a decade.
1: Now, this unforgettable legend that was created by the gods is returning to once again change the face of mischief. (laughs) February. What's happening? One mask fits all. Jamie Kennedy. Honey, I think it's time we trade up. Alan Cummings. This is a fake. Yes, but it's a good fake. Ow. And introducing Otis as Otis the Dog. Buckle up, baby.
0: son of the mask so
3: so the original mask is based on a comic book series actually uh, from the dark horse label of the same name and the comics are actually much more darker and more violent than both of these movies are both these movies have a much more of a cartoon vibe which we will get into quite a bit the original mask in 94 is directed by chuck russell who is a pretty much a horror director at the time. He did A Nightmare on Elm Street, a Blob remake. And the second one was actually directed by Lawrence Gutterman, who was actually an animation guy, did a lot of work on Ants and the Goosebumps video games, and then went on to direct the feature Cats and Dogs a few years before this. The original was written by a fellow named Mike Werb, who's actually hired to write this because his early Curious George script made The Rounds Around Hollywood, which would later be turned into the 2006 adaptation, uh, the animated film, and they hired him because, according to him in the DVD commentary, they thought if I could write about a cartoon monkey going around town, then I could write The Mask, which I thought was a very funny way of looking at it. And the only real returning crew member uh, here on both movies is Randy Edelman, who did the score. Uh, he did a lot of other Slimehouse movies: Dennis the Menace, Kindergarten Cop, Drop Dead Fred, Beethoven, Osmosis Jones, and a few others. We'll probably look on the show at some point. But Son of the Mask, another key crew member, Greg Gardner, who's really kind of I think our Slimehouse cinematographer, at least on the Mount Rushmore of those, shot movies like Elf, Herbie Fully Loaded, The Game Plan, Marmaduke. Uh, so he's really kind of a a real pioneer of the Slimehouse look in some ways.
2: All right. And the cast, of course, the first mask is rounded out by Jim Carrey. He's the star of this film. And I mean, it's a, definitely one of his star making roles. I feel like very central to Jim Carrey's career is this movie. And I feel like it was really, in, in at its heart, kind of a showcase for his his talents and was kind of intended as such. And um other than that, it's a pretty character actor heavy movie. The only other real star of the movie is Cameron Diaz, who this was her first role um as the romantic interest. Um, ben Stein pops up who is a character actor that I'm sure most people recognize from Ferris Bueller. And I think unless I'm missing somebody, he is the only actor to return in Son of the Mask. Um, And the dog performer, we always love our animal actors on here, Milo, the mask's sidekick, is portrayed by Max the dog. For the son of the mask, you have Jamie Kennedy takes over as the lead, Um, another popular comedy actor. We saw him in Max Keeble of the time, playing Tim Avery, uh, the cartoonist that finds the mask. And we have a real slime legend stepping in for this one. Alan Cumming portrays Loki, the god of mischief, who we saw in Josie and the Pussycats just recently, and he also appears in Spy Kids, a buddy of a movie about a gorilla that's very slimy, uh, just a real camp slime icon. Uh, Trailer Howard is the plays Jamie Kennedy's wife in this who is well known for being in Monk and the film Dirty Work. Uh, and you have a few other well known actors pop up in here. Uh, Cal Penn shows up with a small role. Uh, Bob Hoskins portrays Odin and uh, Steven Wright, the comedian, uh, who actually is sort of a Ben Stein type, another sort of deadpan, comically boring voiced comedian. Steven Wright has a role in this, and uh, I think he's a voice we'll hear in some other Slimehouse stuff, even if we don't see him on screen. I know for a fact he's in Babe 2, and I feel like he's always a, always a welcome presence on screen.
1: So with that out of the way... I think we're gonna kind of go into both these movies. They both have really interesting stuff to talk about. Um, And as always, it's nice to kind of get some context for our prior experiences to this. Um, I had seen The Mask, definitely like something we watched with my family. It's just kind of a classic comedy. It wasn't really something I associate with like my childhood at all. It was just something like, it was just a straight comedy. Um, And Son of the Mask before last night, I had never witnessed
2: before. So uh that is my Yeah, I have I have sort of a weird history with both of these movies. Because for whatever reason when this movie when Son of the Mask came out, i was like 7 years old I think when Son of the Mask came out and I thought the trailers just looked like I'd never seen the mask. I didn't care about Jamie Kennedy or any of like anything on it, but I thought the trailers just looked like the greatest thing in the world. I thought just like the The baby, something about the baby and the dog harnessing the power of the mask I just thought looked so good. I was a big fan of a lot of like older cartoons. I loved Woody Woodpecker when I was a kid, and I think the trailer included a bit where the baby does a Woody Woodpecker impression, and that had me on board. So I remember actually renting the mask, and it was a PG-13 movie, so a little edgy for me. So I watched it with my parents. Edge City. (laughs) Yeah, Edge City. (laughs) So... We watched it the night before Son of the mask came out so we I could I could prep for sun, and um I I feel like I I've all I, that's the first time I saw the movie I've seen it a few times since then I always sort of casually liked it never been a favorite but always liked it but the main thing I remember about my first viewing is it's the first time I'd heard the phrase son of a bitch and I don't I think a, the villain says it at some point or something and my parents like gasped, so like I knew it was a bad thing to say. And the next day in the bathroom at school, like some random older kid was like washing his hands, and I was next to him. And I was like, so I watched like the mask yesterday, and he said like this word, "son of a bitch," and like it seems like it's pretty bad. Was, like, yeah, it's, it's a pretty bad thing to say. And, I was, like... <laughs> and we just like went our separate ways. <laughs> <rate. laughs> and so that's always like that's always what I think of with the mask, even though it's like I don't even... its not a memorable line, and which son of a bitch is even said, but. It's always it was it was my introduction to a great a great swear, which is I feel like stands out in a, a child's <laughs> mind a lot and then the thing about the thing about son of the mask when I did finally see it like I don't remember if I liked it or not like i I don't remember like i I remember the movie remarkably well from not having seen it since it was in theaters like there were a lot of specific scenes and stuff I remembered rewatching it now, but yeah, the thing is for a movie I was so psyched for, I don't remember whether it lived up to my hype or not, but I I certainly didn't dislike it when it came out. I just don't know if it was the earth shattering classic I was I was hoping for.
3: Yeah, the the Mask is is one of those the original mask, I should say, is one of those movies that I never had like a personal connection to. I think I saw it once. And I don't even think I even saw it the whole way through, frankly, because there was a lot I did not remember on this rewatch. But I've always been so fascinated by its existence and its style. And to me, it kind of has always represented this small but really interesting subgenre of kind of like cartoon noir, like movies like Dick Tracy and later... Things like Sin City, in a way, and and it's always just been, you know, to me, there's no movie like it. I've never seen anything else like it, and to me, it just has always stood out in that way. I think I wanted to be the mask for Halloween in college for some reason, Um, even though I hadn't. Again, no personal connection, like to the actual movie itself. Just the idea of this movie being made and being in the world has always been been so interesting to me. Uh, But The Son of the Mask, it came out when I was 13. I was in middle school, and I, you know, at that age, I could care less about a Son of the Mask movie that looks like it's for kids much younger than me. But ever since we started this podcast, it's been kind of, like, sneakily high on my list of, like, must-watches for the show. So I'm really, really stoked we finally got to this movie because I think it's a very dense... Dense text, as we like
2: to say. <laughs> yeah, I feel like both of these movies, we've talked before, like I think in the Cabin Boy episode, maybe some others about at least my like fascination with movies that you're like, how the, how does this movie exist? How is this like why why was this made at all? And Son of the Mask definitely has that. And I think even The Mask for being is sort of a ubiquitous film in pop culture, like a very singular movie that like you were kind of saying, like it's weird that the mass exists in pop culture just because it's such a sort of specific, like, like like it's pretty much just a movie for, for like, to have a Tex, specifically a Tex Avery cartoon come to life. And it's, like, a movie that's a specific sort of, like, tribute to a very specific animator. Feels so niche, but it was, like, a smash hit movie. So, like... I mean, The Mask is a movie that was on
0: TV, like, so much as a kid. Like, my preteen years especially. And it's a movie I just kind of got a little sick of, I'm sorry to say. But, um, like, I, and that's why I just never really revisited it until uh, last night. And then, of course, I never really had any desire to see of The Mask for the same reason. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is actually, like, a very fascinating movie stylistically for its time. Just, I think it's just the combination of a horror director who has a lot of like Burton influences in the way that he makes the city look in this and then also just this is Jim Carrey like really exploding onto the scene I mean when people talk about his career they talk about 94 is like he made Dumb and Dumber, The Mask, and Ace Ventura Pets Detective in reverse order um, but all within that same year and so this is just like there's something about his just like there's something primal about his comedy in this and his delivery and his just animation and so like and all three of those movies were not just hits that year but like
1: always on tv big vhs plays like they just these those movies like have such a big footprint in ways that you know few actors ever get that and he got three in one go you know and um it's pretty amazing and his
3: first three major studio movies, which is like incredible. Like that's like the best rookie season of all time, yeah. you know? Like like that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um and I think that jumping right into the mask on the Jim Carrey note, I think we watch The Grinch, which has a lot of kind of parallels to the mask, I think, in terms of just like anarchy and attitude and a green protagonist. Um Lemony Snicket, which is a very dark movie, which we kind of said was not a Slimehouse movie and then sonic which is sonic the hedgehog we don't really need to get into that one but um but jim carrey i think he just as a comedian as a performer he just embodies the slime house kind of comedic attitude and anarchy and brattiness so well even if he hasn't been in a ton of Slimehouse house fare i think in this first mask movie it's just you see like Oh, that to me it feels like oh that is like the first real just like truly slime house like character and just a true like live-action cartoon
2: I think that like when you have Jim Carrey's main sort of strength as an actor and as a comedian is like his expressiveness and the fact that he is able to sort of like move and act like a cartoon man like in live-action and It's interesting that, like, this movie, which is based on, like, a very cult comic book, like, doesn't, like, it feels like the movie was mostly made just as an excuse, like, how do we have a movie where Jim Carrey acts like a cartoon the whole time? How about a movie where a guy, like, gets a mask that literally turns him into a cartoon character? So, it's pretty much just, like, because the movie, I think, is pretty I, I like the movie but when Jim Carrey's not on screen it feels very uninspired sort of a lot of the time but whenever Jim Carrey's on he's like turned all the way up and it's like watching literally just like an excuse to show you Jim Carrey acting like a cartoon character so it's like when we talk about live action cartoon I feel like a lot of the time we're talking purely about like the aesthetic like the way it looks and the colors and all this stuff but Jim Carrey I feel like is one of the few actors you can really point to as an example of a live action cartoon and i agree with you jasper i think that's sort of what makes him be like sort of a such an avatar of Slimehouse, even if as you said he's only been in maybe a few true slime house movies interesting guys because
1: i was watching the first mask and i was thinking about how we we've, we've had this idea of doing a lot of slime studies and it's been kind of hard to find a comedy that isn't Slimehouse, but is worth a study. In my opinion, we just landed on the perfect slime study with these two movies. Because the first mask is a comedy, but it's it's PG-13. It's very adult in terms of, like, it's about kind of, seedy nightlife, and, and there's femme fatales, and there's mobsters, and just, like, and, you know, foul language, as, as Max <laughs> witnessed. And, you know... It's it's meant for
2: adults. Like this would be the type of movie that like a date would go on, you know, and that kind of thing. I was saying even the cartoons he's impersonating compared to *Son of the Mask*, where he's doing like Woody Woodpecker and Michigan J. Frog, which are like a Looney Tunes character and like like they're the more like Looney Tunes is for everybody, but things a kid would be more likely to be familiar with. But in in this movie, he's really doing like a droopy dog wolf sort of character, which I feel like if anything, those cartoons are more targeted towards uh, adults. Like, I know more adults in my life who have been, like, really into droopy cartoons. It's, like, more of a cult thing. And, like, yeah, even the cartoons he's imitating aren't necessarily, like, adult cartoons in the way you'd say, like, family guy. <laughs> but, like, a car- cartoons with more of an adult audience. And it's all about, like, mainly him acting cartoonishly, like, horny for Cameron Diaz, which is, like, not a kid, a kid joke at all. And I feel like... It, yeah it's, it's a more sexually charged movie than i think we ever see and there is a
1: lot of looney tunes inspiration it's it's very similar to i think the closest way i can think of watching it is reminded me of who framed roger rabbit where it's it has inspiration from looney tunes but as we talked about with our looney tunes coverage last year like looney tunes is not 100 percent in the slime house you know realm or whatever and so i think this has some overlap with slime house but i'm not 100 sure convinced i'm gonna have a high slime score for the mask meanwhile it seems like son of the mask is like misunderstanding the assignment and falling into slime you know it's like it's like falling into (laughs) slime house in a way that it shows that the same ip if you will can be turned you know with the slime house lens or not in a comedy which is the first time for me i've watched two movies side by side where I'm like, wow, one went slime house and one didn't really go slime house, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So like the biggest point of comparison for me, uh, it's how we started the season with the Dr. Doolittle, Eddie Murphy movie and the sequel, because I feel like the sequel was trying to be slimier than the first movie, but it was unlike going from the mask to son of the mask. It was burdened by having a lot of the same creative team and performers in it. Whereas with Son of the Mask, it feels so divorced from the original film in a way that allows it to be slimier.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because it's PG, and I think it's, it's – I'm going to make a letterbox list that's like, you know, Jim Carrey sequels that don't have Jim Carrey and are PG. And it's like the fact that there are three of them, Dumb and Dumber, When Harry Met Lloyd, Evan Almighty, and Son of the Mask. It's like somehow the original Jim Carrey's thing, which – you know as my old friend ryan also a guest on the show would staunchly defend is not very slime house but the original jim carrey thing getting
0: reappropriated and turned into undeniable cranked up slime it, and like dr Doolittle one from 98 i just feel like the mask 94 is a movie that is like it's so important to slime house without being slime house and so i think i'm gonna probably side with nelson when we get there but
3: yeah so i 100% agree um with th- this being for my money maybe uh, like one of the like capital t h e most important movies in the development of the slime house genre i didn't really realize this but it apparently according if you if you listen to kind of the the dvd commentary with a lot of the filmmakers this was really the first movie to apply cgi Um, technology to comedy or they even mentioned like dance in this movie there's a couple of pretty impressive dance numbers in this movie which i totally forgot about and nobody had really applied the cgi technology as a tool to create comedy or create movement beyond what the actors could do which I think is something really interesting in Slimehouse. We always say, Oh, these are live action cartoons, or they're or they're live action movies that have a cartoon spirit visually, or how they move, or how, you know, the characters talk, the sense of humor. And so hearing that, I think this is really kind of the first time we see kind of CGI enhancing a, the the slimehouse sense of humor, which we don't which before this in movies like Home Alone. It was all very like practical, like Joe Pesci getting hit, hitting the head with a brick, in a very classic slapstick kind of Three Stooges, Keystone Cops kind of way. And a- another interesting quote, or another interesting quip that I, that one of the VFX supervisors was inter- interviewed said, um at Industrial Light and Magic. This was kind of, kind of like we talked about with Shrek. This was kind of like the B project, like kind of the the less seasoned animators were put on this because they wanted to make something a little bit more unique, uh, be a little bit more experimental. But there's a, there's a story about how kind of some of the animators for Casper, which came out the year later and was kind of shared some of the same team took a lot of notice and inspiration on what they were doing with the mask. And it, it Casper, as we looked at very early on in our show um, not, you know, a, a slime house movie, but not like a full tilt slime house movie had a, I think a lot of similar of this CGI cartoon style and really trying to translate that cartoon imagery into this, you know, 3d world. So I think in that regard, it is an extremely important movie in the Canon and yes, it's a, it's a darker movie. It's definitely more adult. It's definitely more sexually charged, but, um, i think a lot of that kind of carnality is handled in a way that kids can still laugh at and kids can still enjoy without it feeling inappropriate in a weird way because i was watching this i was like i wouldn't feel weird showing this to like a kid like there's nothing in it that feels raunchy enough that i would feel except for son of a bitch that i would feel bad my kid, like, <laughs> repeating, you know, in the schoolroom, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, because, like, yeah, as, 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 as sexual as it gets is pretty much, like, his heart throbs out, or, like, his tongue will roll out, and his eyes will get all big and stuff. Like, it's, it's it's like, very...
1: Less than Mike
2: Myers. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, it's, it is less sexual even than the cat's hat becoming becoming erect. Totally, I mean, yeah. Somebody... And, yeah, and Cat in the Hat is, like, a children's movie. So, yeah, I would say the... Well, like... They have cameron diaz like scantily like she is very much like objectified in the middle like, like like she is like is but but her presentation i feel like is more sexually charged than like any of the movies humor or like themes really get
1: yeah it's a, it's a little bit like yeah i mean it, it'd be like someone if you were a, a kid you'd be like whoa like a sexy woman but there's nothing yeah, wrong like it almost feels
2: like that. jessica rabbit like obviously not yeah. a cartoon character but it feels very like similar. a cartoonish sex symbol a cartoon like like, instead of one that's like really feels like adult in any way yeah
1: i agree and i i think i remember seeing like parts of this at a young age and not feeling it It didn't feel like an off-limits movie the way other pg-13 movies certainly
2: did yeah like if anything the language was the only thing like we said that felt really adult but none of like the i feel like nothing else like there's like a condom joke but it's not even yeah exactly yeah
1: it's not over and I'm glad you brought up that stuff, Jasper, because that is really good context. And, you know, in debating like story versus aesthetics, I think I can agree the masks aesthetics in particular, it's CGI, which it's easy to take for granted now. But, you know, at the time that that's probably like the bait and switch. It's like they came for Jim Carrey, but then the audiences saw something they truly had never seen before, you know, and and that had to have been a formative in, from the filmmaking perspective, in terms of what else yeah, we and, to and
3: see. you brought up Jessica Rabbit, um, and then Who Framed Roger Rabbit came to mind a lot. I think probably for a lot of us watching this movie, and something that the producer Robert Engelman brings up also in the DVD commentary is that they were really trying to achieve this photo-real cartoon look, as opposed to cartoons in the real world. The cartoon being part of the fabric of the reality of the story and not its own separate thing. Like in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's like there are the cartoons and the humans. Whereas this, there's this kind of weird melded reality of it all um, that I think is like really interesting. Like it's never, it's never explicitly stated that Jim Carrey's, you know, mask is a cartoon or Jamie Kennedy. When he puts on the mask, he is a cartoon, but that blending of those two realities and you know making the audience believe that this is a real person that can do these real extraordinary things to me is like is so much in the ethos of slime house you know ordinary people can do these extraordinary like bonkers bizarre maniac things like they just snorted 20 pixie sticks which brings up another point is the mask just a metaphor for doing cocaine <laughs>
2: it feels like that that definitely could be the case like he goes he does it before he goes out like it, it gives him a big big head he's all like <laughs> it only works at yeah, night yeah, yeah. he goes to jail it, for like, it yeah yeah it's like only like and he only uses it to become exactly. like the king of the nightlife scene for the most part until he has to like, like it, it brings it, out it, definitely it brings out your, definitely, your true personality yeah, you know uh, well because it's it's interesting like this movie, like, the plot is not slimy. Like, I think the last, like, third is not slimy at all when the villain has the mask most of the time. It, like, it, I feel like that stretch of the movie... And so I feel like it's not it's not really a slimy movie, but it has a slimy... The mask is well, maybe the slimiest... The, the earliest example of, like, a really slimy character that we've seen. And I think it's just because, sort of like you've said, Jesper, we're seeing, like cartoon language like the visual language of cartoons like brought into live action because as you were saying it's been done before there's movies like like even dating back to like mary poppins where like live action characters and in cartoons interact but it's always like here's the actors and here's the cartoon characters but in this it's they're using that to sort of like bring the visual language of cartoons into like 3d into like to having jim carrey be the one performing it. and i think like It's interesting because Jim Carrey, his actions and facial expressions are already so cartoonish that the CGI instead sort of acts to just, other than some of the ones where like his arms will like stretch out real far. Like it serves to just sort of emphasize the performance more than just be like a total CGI character the way like, because I think that the Casper you said came out the next year. I think I remember that is the first movie like, ever to have a fully CGI, like, central yeah. character. And it feels like The Mask is very much a precursor to that and where he's just this, like, sort of cartoon character, but, like, incorporated into the world as if he were real, which it feels super important to
1: slime And two thoughts on that. One, it's kind of like Jurassic Park where, like, the CGI is so limited and therefore it's a better movie because it's, like, it's not inventing a cartoon character. It's just enhancing a cartoon character. Uh, a a talented cartoon actor Um, but then more importantly maybe to that note and to Jasper's uh, research this is the last proto-slime movie in a lot of ways it's like we're not a slime house movie yet but we are opening the barn doors for a a new type of movie a CGI driven anarchic cartoon type of thing and that I'm sure movies like Cat in the Hat and Grinch 2000 and of course Son of the Mask, you know, watched The Mask and were like, yeah, let's do that, but let's make it the PG and the kid version and that'll be funny. It'll be crazy. It'll be funny.
0: Well, we've talked about something in Slimehouse, like there's a dichotomy of like early slime, like stuff that came out in the 90s, like Home Alone and Airborne and Beethoven, where, like, it's a little b- more quaint and mellow in terms of, a, like, the way it looks and feels, and then we get to, like, the late 90s where things change, and you get movies like Grinch 2000, Osmosis Jones, and something that's what, more Matilda, colorful, like... more vibrant. Matilda. Yeah. Matilda is, yeah, it's like a turning point movie, but this feels like, this feels explicitly like a movie that is planting the seeds for that second wind of Slimehouse where things became more cartoon-like yeah. and more aesthetically vibrant even though it came out, it's a contemporary of movies like Home Alone and Beethoven uh, in terms of its, like, actual release date. Right,
1: like, other Simon's movies came out before it, yes, but, like, to that, to Jasper's input, like, nothing like this had. And so, you know, we wouldn't have Casper without The Mask, and that's even a pretty tame example. You know, we wouldn't have uh, other, like, CGI-driven, you know, like, I'm thinking, like, Marmaduke or these other ones were, like, a CGI protagonist. I mean, even like things like the Scooby
3: Doo yeah, movies, that's was, or that's thinking, like things yeah, like yeah, that, yeah.
1: where where you have a fully
3: CGI character who, again, is just part of the fabric of the reality of the movie. You know, there's no difference between, um, there's no reference made to Scooby Doo not being real, and you know that had happened before. I mean, you you'd had characters who were special effects before, but but then fast forward 11 years later, and then you have this monstrosity, the son of the mask that in a lot of ways, I feel like kind of, we, we talk a lot about, you know, kind of Dr. Seuss's cat in the hat as kind of the movie that killed Slimehouse. I think, and and you need to understand with, with movies, there's a long gestation period. There's probably already some Slimehouse movies in in the production line that were still being finished when cat in the hat came out they got all those out of the way and then son of the mask i feel like is one of those movies that because of its critical awful critical reception it was a box office flop it's also just i don't even know what that movie <laughs> is um i think that just kind of like canceled Slimehouse for like a little bit, Forever, you know, like almost. that like to this level. The mat, the son of the mask, just left such a bad taste in so many people's mouths. I think, and not that many people saw it, but just the idea of son of the mask, yeah, the idea, of um, <laughs> uh, I think, really just did a number
1: on you know this style of family film. It's the other end of the bookend. You know, it's like 2005. I think it was like a January or February release, classic like dumping ground months you know and uh it's it's amazing because oh yeah sorry it's amazing because yes like you said nobody i know had seen this movie but it is like notoriously bad i think it's ranked like number 11 on imdb's bottom 100 of all time and that became like kind of like a meme of the era like everyone kind of knew about how bad son of the mask was without actually seeing it themselves, myself included. And so something about, it's like, sometimes it's kind of like how we talk about how marketing of movies sometimes is more slimy. Like something about the idea of Son of the Mask was so appalling and gross that, you know, it turned off people from Slime House.
2: Well, I feel like the thing of like the main, well, there's a lot of differences between the two movies, but one of the key like differences, I think, is that, well, like, the first mask was very confident in Jim could just like letting Jim Carrey do his thing. This movie does not have like any confidence really in Jamie Kennedy to carry this sort of cartoon persona, which like it's odd casting already because I don't think he's really known for being like a particularly expressive like physical comedian. Like it's not like he's like you'd say like oh who's a Jim Carrey type get Jamie Kennedy like like not similar styles. I don't feel like comically but this movie really only lets him be the mask for like a couple scenes and the rest of the movie relies on these fully CGI baby and dog to really carry all the humor and cartoon stuff because like he really only gets to be the mask and it's a very like he has like plastic hair it's a much worse looking mask Makeup. Yeah, like, like it looks like a Halloween costume. I, it reminds of me of, of the, the Lazy map. Town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very Lazy <laughs> Town. It kind of looks no, like you know what the, it, looks a like like bumps, it looks like. to it Looks like,
0: looks like a Primus music video, like literally <laughs> yeah. the Winona yeah, yeah. Winona's big brown beaver. Where yeah, just, yeah. Like, Claypool is like dressed up and like even there's a scene in the first Jamie Kennedy's first mask scene. I think he's like wearing a cowboy outfit at one point, and yeah, that's exactly yeah. what that Primus video is. So it's just well, like.
2: The only scene they really love and be the mask is they have him do this weird long musical number of Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Can't take my eyes off of you, but he like interpolates all these different genres and styles, and he's like he raps at one point. It's a line dance at one point. At one point, he does like Neil Diamond very specifically for some reason. Must have been something in the air because Saving Silverman also another popular Neil Diamond centric comedy around this this time but yeah very odd sequence they really only give him a musical number and then he like goes home and then he's not the mask for the rest of the movie until the very tail end so it's like they rely on fully CGI characters more so than letting an actor's cartoonish I, I, I think I
0: think they minutes. I think they I think they filmed that scene and they're like they lost so much confidence and <laughs> they rewrote the rest of the movie so yeah just, I mean
2: yeah. that makes sense that was um... yeah
3: French city in the house yeah, yeah. What? What? <laughs> this is the part where you
0: dance This is the part where you boo-yeah This is the part where you dance uh uh, uh. Shake your booty Shake your pants like this Shake your pants Shake your pants like this Shake your pants
2: Uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh-uh Ladies, let me hear you You're just so good to be true Yeah, good to be true Can't take my eyes off of you I love you, baby You feel like having a touch Mm-hmm I wanna hold you so much Yeah, yeah at long last lovers arrive like God got my you too good to be true can't take my eyes
0: can't take my eyes
1: off of you yo I I agree actually you can almost you can tell it's amazing watching these movies as a direct sequel cuz it, it they it's like the loosest possible sequel they have they have more than I actually thought they would they have an intro scene that kind of serves as a bridge between the two but when you watch them in short succession You can see jamie kennedy just lacks the charisma that jim carrey has and like his performance feels dead when he's the mask you know like he's not expressive enough he's not like over the top enough you know it's just kind of like a weird looking green guy you know and so (laughs) as a result
2: it feels like they gave alan Cumming like sort of the the jim carrey role because he's a very expressive charismatic actor so i feel like they gave of any of the live-action actors in the movie, they gave him, like, the the parts where Yeah, the shape He's the cartoonish. Like, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he has a very weird mask look. Like, it's like the, the Mudvayne version of, of the mask. He has this, like... <laughs> or, like, a juggle. Weird, very, very, just this, like, yeah, this, like, edgy, new metal mask look that I feel like is very... Uh, that looks... Equally shitty, I think, to the to the other mask design. Just really bad makeup work. I feel like really holds this movie back because I think the makeup work for the original Jim Carrey mask is pretty perfect as far as what they were going for. Yeah, Oscar
1: nominated. Um, It it's amazing to me. Like every choice, I feel like in Son of the Mask makes it more Slimehouse. And one of the first ones is location. We go from like Edge City to like I think it's called. Fringe city. Fringe, Fringe yes. city. <laughs> and it's the most suburban place possible. It, it actually looks like their neighbors with Cat in the Hat village. And so mm-hmm. suddenly you're in this suburban town. It's all it's all about like an overworked husband and wife. They're, they're trying really hard to make a baby and they get one. And, you know, it's just like a family dynamic instead of like, uh, and there's a dog, you know, instead of like a bachelor and every it's like every step of the way we're going into sliminess instead of uh the the direction the mask was going in
3: and something else with it with this baby character that eventually becomes a main character in this this the son of the mask (laughs) um they don't really do make any effort to have jamie kennedy like overtake the spotlight and so for most of the movie it just feels like jamie kennedy's character having this just like bizarre nightmare where there's this cartoon baby and cartoon dog just like running around his life and, and he's just, like, super depressed. He has to take care of this baby. It's, like, a weirdly, like, nightmarish, depressing kind of plot. But then you have, like, this baby doing these, like... Like, I laughed so much in this movie. Not because I thought it was funny, but just because I was like, holy cow. Like, I knew this movie was going to be wild, but this is just another level, man. Like, this feels like... A, a, like a salvador dolly <laughs> children's book on acid like what is going on in it this is, movie
0: you guys this reminded me of a movie, the last movie we saw together in theaters cats cats, oh. cats. <laughs> i got cats it, live i have to this. say like, the entire it's, they, they the entire make a great double feature
2: because it's just like the whole second act of this movie is like pretty much plotless and just like <laughs> A gag reel of like all these baby effects they could come up with <laughs> just while Jamie Kennedy kind of stands there and like makes his eyes wide and like they do fish island on him like yelling they just have like yeah it's just it's so bizarre this whole I have to like, say there like, was something this... funny I mean
1: I, I know I saw a trailer for this when I came out but it didn't like stick in my memory very well but you're watching the movie and it's like fairly normal fairly being the key word and suddenly there's a scene in an ultrasound where they're looking at the baby on the ultrasound and then it yes. starts dancing, like freak out on the ultrasound. And I laughed, I think it's like the loudest I've laughed by myself in like at home, just cause I was so like taken aback by it. Like, and I can't, I can't knock it. Like I laughed, man. Like it was, it was so unexpected to have like a dancing baby on the ultrasound. And then there's this like plot device that like nobody else sees the baby's antics and like (laughs) kind of funny not gonna lie like you know like i feel like that's where like sometimes the movies these like notoriously bad movies like you get to see them expecting the worst and they're actually like i don't know you can kind of appreciate them (laughs) for what they are you know (laughs)
0: like yeah this is just too like it it doesn't live down to its reputation for me it's just too unpredictable it's too just like there's i don't want to say it's like I, I, for one thing, like, there's, like, actual parts of this that are, like, 2D animated cartoons, like, like a Tom and Jerry episode, which I thought yeah. were actually kind of well done. Very like, similar. Yeah, I think those were, Tom like, Kisumi, te- you know? te-
2: technically the best part of, like, the movie, I would, I, would, I would, like, they weren't anything special particularly, and I enjoyed the other parts better, but they seemed the most well done, like, and, like most thought out of anything yeah. in the movie, really. I'll tell you what, like,
0: this i this almost works as like a spooky slime movie like it has a halloween like i think it's meant to be scary and it's terrifying and like there's kind of like this like weird kind of like ambiguity to like how how scary is it meant to be or is it meant to be kind of like a looney tunes but effed up you know it's just like it has this kind of ambiguity to it when i watch it that is really fascinating to me and like yeah
2: well because i feel like it's like the thing that makes it that kind of that horror or like scariness is that like it's not like he's just having a hard time taking care of, like, this crazy baby. It's like the baby is, like, going out of its way to torment. And, like, on purpose, the baby is, like, making things hard for him. And just, like, <laughs> like the baby is menacing. The baby, like, it's all about, like, his anxieties about, child, about being a dad just being projected to this cartoonish... Like it's it's almost it's, it's Jamie Kennedy's eraser head. It's, yes, this tale of, <laughs> <laughs> this body horror tale of fatherhood anxiety. Yeah, it
1: it, it has some sort like you know not to knock the movie too much, but it has a few plot holes, if I may.
2: You know, like but the
1: baby does kind of go from like hating the dad to loving him very quickly. Um, but it all it also yeah, I got some spooky slime vibes. The uh, the Halloween party and just the workplace in general. He, he works as an animator like that to me, he felt so slime house, like just the lighting of it as this like really harsh orange lighting. Um, and that to me just felt so at home here. And also this is uh, a great example of a genre. We have only really touched on once with boss baby, but just baby movies, talking baby movies, in this case, dancing baby movies, I feel like are such a big, Part of Slime like there's something so funny to audiences. Slime House audiences about babies doing things, and this is like if you like your baby action, like you've got it in
0: spades here. So like another like going on the horror movie uh d- discussion, like another like another, and also the Boss Baby discussion. Like both of those movies have like this kind of weird homage to The Exorcist, where the baby's growing <laughs> up this kind of like, and it's getting everywhere, and like. This movie it goes even further because it has like the head twisting scene from the exorcist as well so like it's just kind of weird that like the exorcist has become this like secret proto slime movie for us in terms of like the stick gags
2: it is a rare non-slime house movie that has a true sliming like yeah like a, a, a non-comedic movie even with the true sliming with the the the, the green vomit scene and i feel like that's why it's such an easy like pop culture reference to pull out for these Slime movies. It's like, for a kid, they're like, haha, they got green vomit all over them. And then to the uh, older people, they're like, oh, it's The Exorcist. So it's like, I feel like a, a good choice for That's a pop so culture funny. reference for a sure, Slime sure. movie, you know, like...
0: Uh, and, and your uh, race car comparison is spot on, and I uh, made that comparison in my Letterboxd <laughs> review. But another <laughs> mm-hmm. movie we talked about, another rated movie we talked about that I got vibes from, uh, to Nelson's point about the animator stuff, is... a. Uh, Pretty got fingered because, like, that's another movie about <laughs> this protagonist who's, like, this man-child who wants to be an animator. And he's, like, fight, but and he's also fighting with his dad all the time. And eventually the movie ends with him, like, making his fights with his dad, his cartoon. And I feel like this is just the same thing, but with the animator being the dad and he's, he's making his fighting with his son, the cartoon. So, like, and that's another movie that's just, like, one of the most, like, it was very infamous for a long time. I feel like it's kind of had, like, a reevaluation in recent years but like it just struck me how like both of those movies have this very odd at times plotless flow and then like they they have so many like gross out gags and just wtf it feels like an
2: intentionally abrasive sort of like tone like obviously Freddy got fingered is more crude when it comes to that but it's kind of a similar attitude i feel like towards just like being the most intentionally sort of like obnoxious off-putting movie it could be At any point, this just feels like Freddy got fingered. Because I thought of that too, especially the animator scenes, like in his anime, like that all gave me very Freddy got fingered just narratively. And then even on top of just narrative, yeah, like you said, it's like, this feels like the PG Freddy got fingered in a lot of ways to me, because I mean, even I think maybe the most, it's not explicit by these, but the grossest of the gross-out stuff is there's a scene with the baby pee where the baby's, like, oh, peeing yeah. on him when he's trying to change the diaper, which, as a kid, is the scene I remember thinking was the funniest. <laughs> 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 oh,
3: man. And, oh, man. I, uh, I, I and honestly, up, like, I cringed in, like... Because I was laughing at it because it's, like, so <laughs> it's just bizarre. So, yeah. But then I, like, as it kept going on, like, the final, like, big urination in that scene i like shuddered in my like seat i was like oh man like this is like kind of uncomfortable to watch but it's still hilarious but like it's in such bad taste but at the same time like as you were saying nelson like i'm still laughing so like it works in like yeah its there was one scene that
2: made, the one scene got like a huge laugh out of me it's like it's an early scene when he first brings the baby home and he's just like looking the baby in the face and it, it feels like a scene where like they just didn't really have like a joke. There's two scenes like that, they didn't really have a joke and they just put in this really loud fart and then have Jamie <laughs> Kennedy like respond. And then there's also another good one where, I feel like this is a classic in baby humor where like the baby will say like a few normal things. There's been something I said a few little rascals. Like he'll be like mama and he's like say it again, mom and he's like mommy and then he'll like say it again. And he says like mother in this like deep. <laughs> voice. And I feel like that's a, that. actually so you see it's in like Shrek the Third. I've seen it. I feel like that's because yeah, this is true. This is the first live action like baby comedy we've seen. And it's interesting because it really, I think, shows how hard this was going for Slimehouse. That the original, no baby at all, and like a dog that's like tertiary to the plot. Like the, the dog in the, in the mask is maybe one of the slimier elements, but not really an important key aspect of the movie but this goes all in by making it like not only is it a mask sequel that like looks like cat in the hat it also is like a funny baby movie and a funny dog movie so like so many slime subgenres, kind of just being shoved into this one movie and I feel like you see a lot of tropes of dog movies and baby movies in this even on top of like it's already sort of like suburban cat in the hat like cartoon style thing so it's just like so much slime being thrown together and i think it's a, yeah yeah and i feel like so many of the like things i consider to be like funny baby slime house tropes all sort of originate from from this movie in my mind hello my baby hello my honey hello my gal. send me a just one baby my heart's on fire If you refuse me, honey, you lose me, then you'll be left alone old baby telephone and tell me I'm your
3: own. Well, isn't it great that her work is going so well?
1: Ma? Yes, Ma and her career just... Did you say Ma? Mama. Oh my god! You said Mama!
3: Well, can you say Dad? Or... Dada, mommy, that's great, you're doing great, but come on,
0: say dada, dada,
3: mother. Jared, you were mentioning kind of the familial relationship, like with Freddy Got Fingered, it's about a son, you know, fighting with his dad, and this one, it's about a dad having these anxieties about being a father. I like the comparison going back to Dr. Dolittle and Dr. Dolittle 2, whereas the first Dr. Dolittle the humor is much more like vocational yeah and in dr Dolittle 2 it's all you know about having a family and being with your kids and things like that whereas i think this franchise if you call it that the first mask is not vocational humor so to speak but it's you know adult humor but then son of the mask brings it back into you know, this is a movie about a family at its core and about having a family and being a family, what it means to be a part of a family, which I think is a very core Slimehouse theme. I also think it's hilarious that we're talking about Son of the Mask thematically because <laughs> I don't think they really intended that. But I think that aside from all just the like maniac humor and visuals of Son of the Mask, it has so many of these like thematic and narrative beats that we see repeated from Slimehouse movie to Slimehouse movie. And in that way, I think it just kind of cements this as kind of just like a, for me, kind of like a catch-all, end-all, be-all Slimehouse movie. You know, it has the visuals, it has this kind of like weird familial children themes hey, the mom even eats silly string when she's pregnant (laughs) because that's what
2: the baby wants. Because the movie strangely kind of takes a turn into like sentimentality very briefly at the end with sort of this scene with this is a uh, what a wonderful, what's a cover of What a Wonderful World and it's kind of over this scene of the family sort of like bonding and all that. like It makes this turn. So even like just when you think it's only going to be like this manic, crazy comedy, they go for like yeah, like a moral, and that moral feels very slimehouse. So even that is thrown in on top of everything else. And I think something that I found particularly something it reminded me a lot of sort of Robert Rodriguez, particularly Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Sort of, it's at the end when he sort of it comes to, when, when it starts to get like more plot focused and more focused thematically on like him and his son coming together, Jamie Kennedy's character. Um, there's kind of these two like, they feel like video game boss battles between like Jamie Kennedy and the baby and Loki that just sort of, and, and those very much just feel like sort of a gag reel of like CGI tricks they could do where like at one point they're boxers at one point Loki's just pulling out all these like random powers. It feels like at the end, the sort of like a brain duel in Shark boy and lava girl. And it felt like a very slimy way to present a like final showdown. That's just sort of this like, gag like visual gag off of of sorts then it's like yeah i feel like it resolved itself in a very slimy way this sort of strange loki subplot to this and do you think that the marvel cinematic
1: universe uh or specifically tom hiddleston pulled any inspiration from loki and (laughs) odin and the mythology i do think
2: i I, this uh, is the mcu
0: canon folks
2: <laughs> i did think anthony hopkins was odin in this movie and not bob hoskins but I, I didn't realize it was bob hoskins he's so hopkins, buried in
1: makeup so, yeah. but it's funny how like yeah. even the looks of loki are not dissimilar like it's got this slick black hair and like yeah you know, like kind of this edgy like more like very yeah, like, more the edgy. like the green, character, like the green <laughs> kind of outfits and things like that I, yeah mm-hmm. there's just something so funny about like you know, we think of Marvel as so, like, oh, nothing had been like it before, but, like, there was literally, like, a Thor, or not, there's no Thor, but Odin Odin and Loki characters that are, like, kind (laughs) of just look like, like, the Slimehouse versions of, you know, Tom Hiddleston and Anthony Hopkins.
2: (laughs) Yeah, 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 I think they should have brought Alan Cumming for, for, for Loki in the MCU, personally, I think he is the definitive. Loki. yes yes he also has that. a very shakes
1: <laughs> he has a background in shakespeare which was kenneth branagh was going for like a shakespearean quality so
0: that would have yeah, been a perfect yeah. bridge but mm-hmm. um what want to say i want to plant a flag in the ground for a new trope since Ooh. boss baby was brought up I do like this and boss baby the plot of that film is a war between babies and puppies <laughs> this movie is a prequel to Boss Baby because it shows us the original <laughs> conflict between
2: baby and
0: puppy. It reminded me so and much of Boss
1: Baby.
2: Yes. Yeah, definitely. That was the but, thing I maybe thought yeah. of the most watching but, this.
0: And just like explicitly, just like this idea of like you have to choose between uh, your affections toward being directed invested in a baby or a dog. And telling you that this same director made Cats and Dogs, which was. Uh, about investing your emotions neither a cat or a dog, but now uh, he also planted these seeds here for dogs being having another competitor. And you know what they're saying? Millennials apparently are not having as many
1: kids, and the Pope is pissed. You know, and it's probably because they're having they're getting all these
2: pandemic dogs. You know, mm-hmm. and they all they all saw son of the mask. <laughs> so there's that's true. That's uh, true. Uh-huh. So. Um, One thing I wanted.
3: I want to talk about the music a little bit more in both of these movies, The Mask and Son of the Mask. In our previous um, scholarly endeavors, we've kind of identified Mambo and Rumba and a lot of these more like Latin music styles as kind of the key soundtrack to a lot of Slimehouse movies. And in The Mask especially, there's some fantastic dance numbers to mambos rumbas i think they specifically call it a rumba and there's there's like a real like nice musicality to the mask that feels really really fun there's a massive conga line with the police oh, yeah, officers the conga line. yep huh. yeah you, yeah you could say a was... cab but really man i wouldn't call those cops bad or bumbling because they're having a good time son of the mask we have the aforementioned kind of musical number that max was talking about um which i think is kind of thrown in there to just kind of parallel and you know wink and a nod to the original mask music numbers but the way that these you know the way music is used as kind of like a to a comedic effect in these movies is feels very slimehouse to me like it's It's like, how how do we find the funniest sounding music and do some funny dance moves to it? And that it can be really visual and animated as opposed to like a respectful, like use of the music. It feels very um, in jest and not making fun of, you know, these these more like Latin styles of music, but just, you know, they're happy and jovial in, in their sound. And the 1994 mask is one of the earliest movies that we've covered, and at least that I can think of that really uses, you know, mambo, rumba, all those styles, kind of for that effect. Um, I don't know if you guys can think of any more earlier.
2: Yeah, well, but... I feel, I feel like, I feel like the mask that Cuban Pete scene. It's kind of the musical number where he sings that song Cuban Pete and like does the dances around. It's like I feel like that was a very central, like, I feel like that is a scene, like, when people think of The Mask, that was, like, a big, a big scene of the movie, and I even think, like, the song, the Jim Carrey recording of Cube and Pete was, like, a a genuine, like, chart success, like, like it was a popular part of the movie, and I feel like, there's probably, I feel like I Love Lucy kind of had, like, some Mambo, like, like because Desi Arnaz was, like, a Mambo band leader and stuff, it had some Mambo influence, but that's so far back, and I feel like that's what The Mask is sort of invoking, but it sort of just defines sort of Mambo, sort of Latin music as like the fun party music. And I feel like that kind of stuck in comedy and especially in Slimehouse. But I do feel like, yeah, I agree with you, Jasper. If uh, I can't claim to be an expert, but I feel like the mask is always kind of what I've looked at as like what put Mambo in that cultural position as like the, the fun music. And I hadn't thought... No mask, no mask, no lubega. <laughs> and maybe so I, I had a thought of this before
1: you know you mentioned this but like it, now it kind of has a parallel to like the flubber dance scene in the middle you know like just exactly. the way kind of like just, it stops the the plot and just has a great dance number and like both of them are kind of showing off the CGI dancing you know and that's like what a what a concept you know and, and um, so I, I, I'm glad that wasn't top of my mind but you know I'm glad you brought that up before we you know is part of this and then another slime house hallmark that i think
3: carries through both we've talked a lot about the bodily humor in son of the mask already but there's some funny bodily humor in the original mask too it's not as grotesque but you know there's some there's some burping smoke bombs out and there's some jim carrey getting kicked in the balls so i think there are some some fun traditions of of the slimehouse slapstick that are definitely
1: carried on quite well in the original 1994 mask it the son of the mask begins with a groin shot like the very first time we meet jamie kennedy he's at their like friend's house and he gets you know hit in the groin yeah it, he gets like head butted it's a, just like and kid. then it's like all from there i mean just i have i don't know if you need like a visual study of slime it's just like watch this movie for like you'll see these like crazy angles and like these these like just almost like the psa we watched last week like just the
0: tilted you know fisheye lens it's it's all the way through yeah yeah you, you gotta start watching movies that have like wide shots after you know it's like big panoramas to balance it yeah. out um the biggest. The slimiest moment of the 94 Mask for me is like actually the end, even though we've said that's the least slimy part of the movie. But there's a bomb at the end of the movie that uh, the mask ends up eating. And uh, I, this is the scene of the movie that's always stuck with me. But he eats the bomb. He's, he has, his mouth gets super big. He shoves it in there and then he burps it up. And he and he gets, gets the Italian accent going. And he's like, that's a spicy meatball. And I just feel like that is. <laughs> Because it's a food thing, and it's also like mm. a spice thing, and it has a visceralness to it. Um, my favorite Slimehouse moment in Son of the Mask, uh, we haven't talked too much about uh, our classic neighbor trip, yes. the first one that comes to mind. <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is Ken Jeong in the one of the Goosebumps movies, yeah. but they one-up it in this film with a uh, nanny neighbor who is at one point spying on Jamie Kennedy as he's home alone. With the baby while the wife's on a business trip, and uh, Loki is basically infiltrating the house, and so uh, he uses magic to turn that nosy neighbor into a nose neighbor, and her entire head becomes a nose, and she sneezes. <laughs> you just realize that? Oh, And There's so actually...
3: much in this movie. Like I
2: know that. it's true.
1: I, I this is one I had to
2: take notes on. Um, yeah, one of the densest slime texts I think every second is and, worth, and, and, and worth t- discussing. The densest literal slime I've seen from that
0: nose neighbor. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah, I oh, could yeah. not believe that uh-huh. was in the movie. Yeah, the like snot. that's like David Cronenberg level stuff right there.
2: <laughs> yeah, like this is a, this is a body horror. <laughs> like like the scene where the baby like inflates his head to like a balloon <laughs> that always that freaks oh, me yeah. out like, oh <laughs> it yeah it's like it's like one of the first things the baby does this is
1: like horror yeah for
2: for that age um i also love yeah the cgi baby like maybe maybe like not maybe i think definitely like the most upsetting visual we've yes. seen in any of the movies on here just like very scary looking in every way the cgi of this baby especially when he's like dancing around like michigan jay frog something about oh, that so like, really weird like freaks me out it just doesn't look like
1: like most cgi is meant to kind of behave the way real like you know a dog a cgi dog is meant to kind of behave the way a dog moves in real life but this baby just does things that like no body can do you know and so there's something very like creepy about it yeah the baby to me is very fascinating it's funny we keep just
3: coming back to the CGI baby, because to me, I was looking at this in the grander context of Slimehouse and the baby to me is representative of, of live action, you know, comedies, and it is literally learning how to function from cartoons. So in, in reality, it's like Slimehouse is a genre that visually learned how to become what it finally became from cartoons so this cgi baby alfie i think is his name we've we haven't even called him by name yeah He's i don't
0: remember CGI his baby. name he must not be named i think it's Alvi or something yeah, Alvi
3: to me he kind of felt like the epoch is that the right word the apex of a slime house character it's like It's the it's the development of a genre defined by the arc of one character, and I think that that was very very fascinating to watch.
0: It's it's a meta movie actually, like it's about the studio system and and, and, it's about pitching this movie and getting laughed out of your job, and also it's about the mask giving birth or. Conceiving, conceiving, <laughs> conceiving. Slimehouse.
2: Yeah, per- perhaps this could go into our our, our sort of like meta, our, our antis, Like we talked about, how Cat in the Hat kind of felt like it was a, a meta commentary on on Slimehouse. Maybe we can add add some of the mask to to, the, to that canon. It's like with the wrong with the wrong uh,
1: guidance in your y- youth, you might go a dark or twisted path you know there's a moment that felt very meta where it's like don't let it don't let him watch tv it's bad for his brain it'll make him dumb. She, it's the mom literally says it'll make him dumb and of course he watches tv and that is what kind of sets him off he's already like got the superpowers but it's like he needed to see the "Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime gal." <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, uh, that
2: it, it feels almost like ET, where it's like he sees something on TV and tries to like mimic yeah. it, just done in this way more cartoonish. E.T. Like, yeah, like yeah. yeah. Um, we haven't we haven't
0: covered the Baby Geniuses movies yet, but they're very much uh, like the way I know, the babies. Are I like think that we covered, I,
2: I've seen I've seen Super Babies and that like, <laughs> the babies in that very reminiscent of the, this baby. I, if you, I yeah. think
1: that, I mean it's like a, it's like a month it's like almost worth a month of dedication because baby's day out kind of started it and there's there's a lot of
3: i think three men and a stuff. baby is another one that That's that was true. the That's highest person pro- movie yeah yeah 19- well i was
2: so. I, I i watched one of the bonus there was a bonus feature on the dvd of son of the mask about like specifically about the baby and the dog and i forget who it was but one of the people on the crew said that they said this was they said this was easily like the most baby centered, like the most baby like rely, the, the film to be most reliant on a baby that had ever been made. And I don't know about that, but I, <laughs> I feel like that's an interesting perspective on the film. Yeah, that there goes my, that they were really trying to like ba- put it around the baby. Like it was bit, like all around the baby and, and not around Jamie Kim And that segues
1: into one of the most important tropes that I want to pin down here. Cause we will see it again. And it's this weird climax choice that is common in slime house where there's a moment i've only seen this with dogs before but in this case it's with the baby where alan coming and the dad say all right well let's let the baby decide who he's gonna live with you know and like they put they stand (laughs) apart and like it's between the dad and like a more normal life or does he want to live with loki (laughs) and live a life of mischief (laughs) and this trope is in airbud and c-spot run where it ends with the dog being allowed to choose who he wants to to live with so I just so funny like to see that it's very specific trope that even as kids we identified we called bullshit on when we saw it again in c-spot run and we kind of rolled our eyes that they recycled that convention but never have i seen a baby forced to make that decision All right, so we got two movies to do Slime scores for. We'll do Mask
3: first, Son of the Mask following that. Who wants to kick it off?
2: I'd say, for me, uh, as we kind of touched on, the first Mask, I think, is one of the more crucial movies to Slimehouse as a genre. But I don't think it's a very slimy movie. I don't even necessarily really think it's a super proto-slimy movie. I think that literally this one aspect being the Mask itself feels so key to slime, but the movie in itself is only is, bare, is barely slimy. Like I, I feel like it feels more like, I think we were talking about a Who Framed Roger Rabbit, a Dick Tracy's almost like a Tim Burton Batman vibe of movie. And But I think that the, the fact that The Mask as himself, I think is such a key slime component, and I think the effects and just sort of the visual language of this are so important to slime. I'd give it a four for me. It's not quite a five which would be kind of midway it's a little bit less than that but i think it's just so important to slime that i was trying to decide behind a three or a four but i went with the higher one and so yeah i land on a four for the original 94 mask Yeah, i'd like i'd like to go next because yeah i was actually there was
1: a version of me that was prepared to go guns blazing and be like this is a one out of ten and here's why this is not a slime house movie even though it has you know this one component Um, I still think this is the best slime study we've ever done, but I really like what Jasper brought up in terms of its proto origins and what it created. I think a four is actually the perfect score for the mask. I don't think the non-mask parts are slime house at all, but I think that the mask components and the cartoon come to life and the CGI are so essential that they buoy it up to that four score.
0: Evaluating this as a slime house movie, this is just like a three to me, but evaluating it as a proto-slime movie as we're kind of starting to think of it as, even though like we kind of have previously defined proto-slime as like ending in 1990, or the 80s, this and I mean, we're still learning, like we're still learning, but I think like this season we've really kind of like established it as like, no, it kept going between this and the first Doolittle movie. So. Um, I was thinking as a proto slime movie this is a 5 out of 10 for me because the slapstick feels so crucial and also just like we didn't talk about him that much but Milo the dog sidekick I think is actually one of the slimier things I've seen in a movie if I'm being honest
2: yeah I think you get some like reaction shots and stuff from him that
0: do feel very slimy he's the most slimy animal performance in my opinion that we've ever seen yeah huh I mean, I don't know about that, but that's a, yeah, it. It feels like a precursor, I don't have a, kind like, of the
2: match from to... The Grinch in a lot of ways, and not only because yeah. it's Jim Carrey, too. I just think the the performance. And... Yeah, I can
1: see that. I mean, I don't have a distinction between a proto score and a slime score. I, I think it all should bundle together. But, yeah, I, I think all sound points. I was very torn between this
3: one. Part of me is like, nah, this isn't a Slimehouse movie. But part of me is like, this is a Slimehouse movie. I think, you know, as we as we look at more movies, I find my definitions of what a slime house movie is kind of changing a lot, you know, at one point, I thought, Oh, it has to be kid centric. And then at one point, you know, I was like, Oh, it has to have some bright CGI colors. And I think that, you know, it's a mix, it's 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 a fluid definition. And For that reason, I'm actually going to go with a seven on this. I think that yes, there are points of this that are not very slimy at all. But just look how rich the colors are. Just look at the attitude. This whole movie is literally a live action. It's the definition of like, the first step of a live action cartoon. I also don't think it's super raunchy. Like it's it's raunchy, but in a way that kids understand and will make fun of. Um yes it's a PG thirteen movie, but it feels almost like the lowest a PG thirteen can go. Like take out a couple cuss words. It's a PG movie, you know? Um so I'm giving it a seven for this. I, I really think it's an important pillar, if not one of the most important pillars we've watched. But yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say like yeah, this is a slime house movie, but I think, you know, it's right on the border of being just one of those top shelf slime house movies.
1: Oh, I, I just, I like that you brought, you did some more contextual research because I think that this is a case where that's so important. And it did remind me that like, I do remember seeing like Mask like kid marketing, like my cereal box. I mean, there was a the TV show. On it. There was an <laughs> animated Yeah. There, there was a carto- yeah,
2: yeah. cartoon, yeah. There was a cartoon, which reminds me a lot of the Beetlejuice cartoon, which I think is a movie that just kind of reminds me of in some ways, this Beetlejuice, as far as just the tone of, of comedy, I think. And that's interesting. It's, it's interesting. They both got like kids cartoons when they're not necessarily, they're not inappropriate movies, but they're not kids movies necessarily. I wouldn't say they were adult comedies.
1: And I remember feeling pretty disinterested in Beetlejuice from a Slimehouse perspective, whereas Mask did have more Slimehouse interest, partially because of the sequel it got, which brings us to our second Slime scores of the evening. Which I can kick it off.
3: This is a perfect 10. There's nothing like this movie. <laughs> um, it, it's it's all of Slimehouse wrapped into one ugly Actually, I don't even think it's an ugly movie. I think it looks decent. The CGI is better than half the movies we watch on the show. Um, but it's a ten. You just you need to go watch it. It has everything. It's it's up there with Max Keeble and Cat in the Hat as you know the top top echelon of Slimehouse. And it'll be yeah. hard to find something <laughs> more loony than this.
2: Yeah, I, I second that. I think this is a ten. This is maybe the slimiest movie. We've, if I had to pick maybe the slimiest movie we've covered yet on the podcast, it feels so slimy and like dense with slime that it felt almost hard to even approach to talk about because all you can really do is just like <laughs> list all these insane things and there's just so much that even like after this hour and 15 minutes of talking about the movies, there's still all these things that like we didn't get a chance to bring up that are so yeah. insane in any other movie. It would be the main thing we talked about. So it's, yeah, like <laughs> this movie, it's like, like we kind of said everything slimy you can put in the movie all the jokes all the visuals the story the morals like everything is all so slimy and it's like this is truly like when slime house like ate itself it feels like this is when slime house finally jumped i wouldn't even say jumped the shark really but when it went too slimy and just created like um, like almost like a movie like like we said like a, a like a pink flamingos. Freddie got fingered like intentionally abrasive <laughs> like like movie. It's just yeah, it's a ten out of ten, and I don't even know what else to like say other than that anyone listening needs to prioritize. If you're interested in slime house as a genre, check out some of the mask because it's really it's something. Yeah, I won't even try to be coy here. This is
1: <laughs> this is ten out of ten material. And it's so interesting because I think when I'm thinking about the 10 out of 10s, I'm thinking about Cat in the Hat and Max Keeble. And Keeble is like kind of grounded in reality, LOL. Like it's not a CGI laden movie, whereas Cat in the Hat certainly takes, it takes place in like a fantastical world. And this to me feels like it has a little bit of both, but I think that this is the most Slimehouse we'll ever see for like a CGI driven movie. Like I think... In the very first episode, Jared identified that was sort of a a tenant of Slimehouse, was like a CGI protagonist. This to me feels like the most balls to the wall version of that essential part of Slimehouse I've ever seen. Like Max said, there is more that we didn't even get to in it. I don't even hate this movie. Like it has such a bad reputation, but I was just like, so fascinated by it. It's also like, a low-key horny movie we didn't even get to that like you know for a pg movie um and just everything here is absolutely wild i for me i, I think this is going to be like the one one of those ones we like reference a lot as as sort of a point of comparison and yes uh i've said enough already
0: it is a 10 out of 10 no doubt so i was thinking about some things that about this movie, like, I feel like the whole Norse mythology angle didn't really register as very slimy to me, and I also feel like the main character point of view being like a dad rather than, like, the kids is something that I feel like takes usually, like, when that, when, a, when a movie we cover is like that, it makes me detract a little bit, um, like Jingle All the Way is an example. However, I respect Jasper's point about the definition of Slimehouse being this kind of moving target, a very fluid definition. And yeah, I, I can't, I, I was honestly going into this thinking a nine, but I can't, like, I just, I'm just thinking about having watched this movie and just, <laughs> 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 like, uh, like, I don't know. Um, I, I can't be the odd one out here. I have to go with a ten. Yes! <laughs> you got to be nervous Another perfect. Uh.
2: Honestly, if I went
0: first, I might have but you know just an understanding how much this movie means to us like i can't also there's like i want to just throw out this and i know we're almost done, but like i
1: i also just want to throw out this like there's this like man child element that i do think like qualifies as a protagonist you know or he's just like sure yeah okay i think that we've seen enough of those that are high shelf you know that i think that's just as much of a tenant you know as
2: kid protagonists yeah well and if and now that we have our perfect tin for Son of the Mask, and it's become a sort of a a, textbook, a slime prototype to us, I think one piece of trivia I learned in my research is uh, apparently Jamie Kennedy on his YouTube channel has a series explaining Son of the Mask and its production and failure, where he reveals that there is a cut a 38 minute cut minute there are 38 missing minutes of footage from son of the mask where that where it says had more significantly constructed and cinematic storytelling and less zany humor and it was the studio wanted it sillier so i say we need to get it started uh, release release the guterman cut we need we need the 38 extra minutes of *Son of the Mask* to really flesh it all out. And I so, hope it was done in four by three. I think that can preserve be... the director's vision <laughs> as well. Yeah, I think I think that's the *Slimehouse* crusade we need. Is we need the 38 minutes of missing *Son of the Mask* footage to finally see the light of day. Someone
1: also asked Jamie Kennedy why why would you do that movie, and he said, "I will give you. I have 2.5 million reasons why I did that movie." <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah it's funny it's it's really not and maybe it's just because we've been looking maybe it's just looking at it through the slime house lens but i had a fine time with this movie yeah i mean i feel like i've it's bad but it's not and it's kind of offensively bad but in a way that feels like it knows that it is And for that, I'm okay with it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've certainly seen worse Jamie Kennedy vehicles. I've seen worse Slimehouse <laughs> movies. So it's not even the worst. Well, we these. didn't even cover the.
0: Uh, we didn't even cover the best Jamie Kennedy vehicle in this movie, which is the Hot oh,
2: Wheels yeah. car. Uh-huh. <laughs> see, that's like like we said. You're see? never gonna unless like. Unless we had three hours, we're not gonna cover all the slimy bits from *Son of the Mask*. It's just that. That jam packed. Yes. <laughs> and there's also a green bee at one
1: point oh <laughs> uh, yeah the loki bee oh my I uh, so
3: man if we do a slime house festival this is the centerpiece yeah this yeah, is this is, the, the, this the is saturday the night this is the, yeah. the, <laughs> <is> the...
2: screening. <laughs> <laughs> we get alan coming we get jamie Kennedy be the guest <laughs> guest smokin
1: Okay, it's uh, that time of the month again, and it's time for a slime shuffle. Uh, we had a good one last time, good discussion. So now it's uh, after Jared's birthday, it's time for another slime shuffle. And it'll be Max driving the the wheel this time. So
0: any, any thoughts before we drum roll or I don't know. I have a bad <laughs> feeling it's gonna be free guy and I'm gonna hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we All ready right. to go?
1: And go for it. Here we go. <laughs> Who's Harry <laughs> Crumb? Good, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Harry Crumb? Oh, John Candy.
3: Oh, John. Yeah, I love
2: John Candy. <laughs> <laughs> who who is Harry? Yeah, very very good question. I'm not sure. We're about to find out. Oh, we'll find bumbling, out next week. He's a bumbling, bumbling private party. investigator. That's cop adjacent. I'd say so, Yeah. The, the Willies. willies. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Shut, shut oh, that's right. Yeah, look at I mean, the tagline. You'll laugh. You'll cry. You'll puke. You'll die. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sean yeah. astin sean astin that's uh, great it's like a halloween oh day. dana ashbrook Maybe. oh two twin peaks gas you got kimmy dana
1: it is directive video is it on the original
2: <laughs> no i, I i'm good i think this is a good one I'm, okay. <laughs> yeah that's fine the that's willies i think it's a direct video <laughs> but that's yeah. it I,
3: We'll i don't think it's directed at, video. oh it's not
2: it's not directed video yeah oh know. okay i beg your pardon i beg your pardon although oh, it's, it's
1: an anthology nice
2: yeah this sounds kind of cool i'm kind of i'm kind of hype yeah yeah this is cool
1: this would be this all would right. have been a candidate for the uh spooky slime shuffle mm-hmm. if it had been um
3: yeah.
1: all right so i'll watch who's harry crumb i mean i'll watch it too all right i'm i may as we may as fuck We have so many movies to watch uh um, what if we do
3: this then what if we say slime shuffle gave us two questionable ones so we did both of them. Do a double feature, actually, I'm, I'm down do for that. that. We Why do shorter rec- Okay, short cool, yeah, rec- I, got,
0: so I got done, so. far <laughs> Peeps like the slime shuffle of the month already, so let's yeah. do like a special video.
1: And so with that, I think this is one of the zanier, wilder things we've ever discussed, and I hope y'all had fun, and if you want some more fun, just watch the movie for yourself, you won't regret it, and uh, that Watch both that- movies, they're both great. Yeah, you've I've probably seen, seen the, the first one, one you know. The, the second, second one. one, a little more of a buried treasure. And uh, on that note,
2: stay, stay
0: slimy. slimy.
2: Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Burnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. If you like this episode, you can find more fun on slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Company. Our theme music composed by Greta Russell. Support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod on all platforms.